Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about the topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing ordination. Joining me is Nathan Camp, our CEO, an honor and always a lot of fun to have you here with Thanks, us. Thanks, Bruce. I'm excited about being here. I love the topic. Everybody, whenever you talk about ordination, people always get, they kind of lean in, right? Yeah. So uh, it's a great topic. I'm, I'm excited. So let's get started by defining ordination. What is it and what exactly does it mean sure. to be ordained? Sure. So, you know, let's quick Bible study. We all know this, right? The ordination is God calling a man or a woman unto the gospel. Yeah. I mean, think of uh, as God is speaking to Jeremiah and say, you know, I set you apart. And even Paul said when it pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb, and, you know, basically putting me in, in the earth. This ordination, there was a setness to it. There was a, a strategicness in the mind of God. And so when we talk about ordination, first off, we're talking spiritually mm-hmm. that uh, it is a man or a woman called unto the gospel. The legal reality side of it is that when a church or a ministry recognizes that spiritual call Mm -hmm. and goes through a series of steps or a series of processes to show that how they recognize that call, there's a sense of legalities to it. So, you know, it is that the anointing, the grace that's on someone's life spiritually and that we're going through a process to recognize that legally. And, and, you know, it comes with the ability to do weddings and funerals and all that kind of stuff, uh, depending on people's tradition. But it's a significant point. Um, You were ordained, right? Yeah. Um, When I was first starting a ministry, I had kind of a uh, initial ordination, yeah, and it didn't allow me to do all the what you call sacerdotal duties. Yeah, sure. so I wasn't eligible to do weddings or whatever, but it allowed me to do the work of that ministry. So that's great. Uh, that's something that we talk about sometimes with our pastors that call yeah. in. That there's different kinds of ordination out there. Yeah, there's different levels, and, and a church gets to make that up. You know, they get to decide. And I've heard of you know ordained and and um, credentialed and and chaplains and all that sort of stuff. I know for me. Uh, when I was ordained at my church, significant day, right? It was a culmination of several years of ministry. Yeah. And, and a couple things were happening there. One is my pastor and my spiritual family was saying, hey, we recognize there's a call. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a call in your life. And, and we want to pray and recognize that before the church. And, and then there were some things that, again, I left doing a lot of weddings. You know, I was doing young adult ministry. Yeah. And so, you know, it was my life for a long time was doing weddings. And it did affect my... Um, some of the different taxation I had, you know, oh. as a minister. And so it was a, it was a big day all the way around. And, and I, I feel pretty passionate about being ordained and, you know, ordaining others. I think it's a big deal. Awesome. Well, there's a lot of misconceptions about the process of ordination. And I think some of the confusion comes from the fact that it is a spiritual thing, but there is also a legal reality. Sure. And so how can you, uh, you know, with the spiritual side in place, how can you then function with the legal side in place for ordination? Sure. So I think what happens is people leave the the service, you know, and think everything's done. So Uh one of the things we encourage people to do is look at the quality of the legality of the organization that ordained you, right? So Yes, the service itself, and there was laying on of hands, and, you know, babies cried, and people get saved, and it's a wonderful time, right? (laughs) Uh, But the reality is, that, that is fulfilling. It's all you need from a spiritual reality, yeah. right? The, Paul says, the people are the seal of my apostleship. You know, you go and bear fruit in your, 
you'll see if you're really spiritually called. But in order to take those legal, like a tax deduction, and do some of those weddings and that kind of thing, the organization that's ordaining you has to have taken certain steps. Yeah. You know, for example, making sure that in their foundation, foundational documents, they have a part of their purpose statement saying, I want to license and ordain ministers of the gospel. It's part of what we want to do. Um, so many times we find uh, churches and ministries who will come to us and say, you know, in their purpose statement, there's nothing about ordination. They've been yeah. going for 10 years. Uh -huh. right? You've talked to a lot of customers, right? Definitely. And so they realize, hey, we have the ability to pray for people, but we really might not have the ability to legally license someone because we never said it in our foundational documents. Yeah. So I think that's one of those really big points. Another big point is somewhere in their bylaws saying, here's how we're going to recognize a legal call. Here's, mm -hmm. here's how we'll discern who does and doesn't have that um, ordination call, I should say. And, and here's how we're going to prove that and walk through that discerning process. Yeah. And then, of course, and you know this, that there's a certain amount of um, organizational, almost administrative sides, you know, them filling out an application yeah. and, and that whole thing, and maybe even some testing. So there's a lot uh, that needs to go into both spiritual and legal compliance. You know, you mentioned something that, that reminds me of a pastor that called in, and there was another guy that uh, he was afraid was actually going to sue because... Uh, they did not articulate the process by which someone is ordained. Yeah. And the other guy that he was worried would sue was saying, well, hey, it's, it wasn't written out clearly. I feel like I deserve ordination, and you neglected me. You gave it to the yeah, other guy. Yeah, sure. And, you know, you pray you never have to go through things like yeah. that. But it is smart to write it out and make it clear. Absolutely. You know, if it's a part of the calling, it needs to be part of your documents. You know, and how are you going to recognize that? And, and good point. I don't know these people, but good point for one person to say, um, you know, you were so unclear that you're just basically giving it to your friends. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're a friend of the pastor, you get ordained. If you're not a friend of the pastor, you know, and I'm, <laughs> you're raising the dead over here, and you still can't be, can't be ordained. Um, yeah. the, the point of having it in your documents is showing this is part of our purpose. Yes. The point of having it in our bylaws is to show the discernment process. The point of the ability to, to have your applications, your testing, and all of that is to show the quality of that discernment. Yeah. And then you have the service, right? And so a lot of people maybe even listen to this podcast say, I, I don't know. I was in a service. Everybody laid hands on me, but I don't know that I ever went through those other steps. It's a great thing to go back and look yeah. at the quality of the foundational documents of the ministry that ordained you. And um, you know, there's a lot of myths about ordination. Sure. You know, one of yeah. the myths is once ordained, always ordained. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I was thinking about this a while ago. I was. Um, having a meal with one of my heroes, and he's a missionary, and just one of those guys I just love to listen to his stories. He's yeah. done so many things around the world. And I, and I asked him about when he got saved, and he was telling me about being in this church, and um, they recognized God's call on him, and they, they ordained him and sent him out. And I said, what, what is that little church now? And here you were, this guy, and I'll mention his name, but, you know, here you are, you're this guy, and they, they recognize a call. They don't know what you're going to do, and now you've started organizations all over the world, you know, yeah. doing these significant things. How does that church feel when they see you? And he said, well, unfortunately, they closed a couple years after, you know, I got ordained. I said, man, I'm sorry to hear that. I asked him, who did you get ordained through after that? And he said, well, once ordained, always ordained. Uh-oh. And I sort of froze, yeah. you know, I'm like, this guy's done 30 years of ministry, yeah. many, many weddings, probably years and years of tax deductions. Yeah. And from a legal standpoint, he probably hasn't been ordained in 30 years. Yeah. Called of the Lord, clearly anointed. Sure. But this, this strategic side 
of his compliance was, was really weak. And so he believed the myth. Once ordained, always ordained, doesn't matter. No, if, if the, the legal uh, quality of your ordination rests in the organization, if the organization closes, yeah. if they give you the left foot of fellowship and say, hey, you know, we don't want you around here anymore, uh, then you are at that point no longer legally ordained. That's a pretty, pretty big myth. Another big myth, I think, is I'm ordained, now I can ordain others. Again, the reality is no one person ordains another person, right? A, an ordination, a minister that's ordaining you or laying hands on you really is acting as a representative. Hmm. You know this when we get our license, right? You, yeah. you go into the DMV and you, you uh, squint in the little thing and you fill out some paperwork and they take an awkward picture. And then in a few minutes later, somebody calls you and they hand you a license. Yeah. You know you're not being licensed by that person, sure. right? You, that person is a representation of the, of the DMV. In the very same way, the pastor is not ordaining you. The pastor is acting on behalf of of the organization is the church itself. That's why, and if you're a pastor listening to this and maybe you're ordaining other people, you need to understand it's not you, it's you acting as a representative on behalf of your organization and your ordination is only as good as the organization behind you. And then a third myth I think we hear a lot about is uh, that people can't be ordained through their own church. So. Uh -huh. Uh, we're Start Church, right? And so what we do is our Start Right program is this bundle of software and services that helps people get established. And we'll hear them call us and say, I have a vision to start a church, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm not ordained. You know, what do I do? Can I, can I qualify? And the beauty of uh, the Start Right program is that as you're starting your own foundational documents, you as a, a church planner can decide to start your own church and decide to do your own articles, your own bylaws through our program. You can decide to have that ordination language in your documents. Mm -hmm. You can decide to have that discernment in your bylaws. And then if you qualify, you can be ordained through your own organization. Now, you know, Bruce isn't laying hands on yourself, you know, isn't calling for an usher. <laughs> this is saying that the reality is we think uh, I, I meet the qualifications set forth by the church that even I started. Mm -hmm. I, I match that criteria and our church recognizes God's call in my life. Those are three big myths I, I see a lot. Once ordained, always ordained, or I'm ordained, now I can ordain others, or I can't be ordained through my own church. Um, it's, really, it's really things that hold people back. They think I can never be ordained or mm -hmm. you know, anything. Unless I, I quit my church and go to another church, you can be ordained through your own church. That's pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah, a lot of the pastors that I talk to are really encouraged by the freedom that they have to develop their own protocol. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe they left a denomination where, for whatever reason, they didn't quite meet that requirement. Absolutely. But starting their own church, you get to determine what is the Lord putting on your heart for this church? What are the credentials? Absolutely. Uh, so there's a, a pretty famous case, Kramer versus Commonwealth, and the court basically noted that in the selection of a minister, a church needs to be acting in a considered, deliberate, and responsible way, mm -hmm. right? So if you're out there and you're, you're pastoring and you want to give ordinations, which I think is a central part of the church, we're sure. ascending, right? The church is a, is a missional sending organization. If you want to begin to extend ordinations, some things we would encourage you to look at. Number one, go back and look at those foundational documents, mm -hmm. your articles of incorporation, get them from your state. D did I state that in my purposes? If not, maybe file articles of amendment or something, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing is look at your bylaws. Does it spell out who does and doesn't have a call? Could you discern between us, right? If two people come and say, I think I'm called, I'm ordained, does your 
do you have a written process on how you do that d discernment? Um, then there needs to be some sort of process of which they, a sense of finality. You know, even testing. You know, I think the IRS, it's interesting, doesn't see ordained ministers any different than real estate agents or doctors or anything. What happens? They get some testing. They get mm -hmm. some discernment. You know, they, they qualify and they take a test and there's a sense of finality. And then um, making sure that they have seen that it's their, their desire to be ordained, mm -hmm. right? And so when you, that really will cover those three terms, considered. Considered is it's pre-written in your bylaws. Before anybody comes up, we've thought about, we've considered mm -hmm. what it will be like for us to discern that. Uh, deliberate, that the person wanting to be ordained showed uh, their own initiative by filling out the documentation or an application, something like that. And then a responsible act. You're, you're not just standing up on Sunday morning, making the sign of the cross, saying you're all ordained. <laughs> you know, you're taking them through this sense of a test and, and saying, you know, this person's met all of this and now we're laying hands. I don't think that's exactly what Paul was saying when he said, don't lay hands on anybody hastily, but it sure would slow you down, you know, if you, if you <laughs> yeah. went through these. So those are, those are things we recommend everybody walk through uh, in order to give real strong ordination. Yeah, a lot of times a pastor will call and say, hey, you know, I got ordained online. Um, is that worth anything? You know, and yeah, <laughs> that's very interesting. You know, it really matters where you're at. In the, in the States, uh, the further north you get, the more stringent. There was a guy who, uh, uh, a minister who did a wedding, um, I believe it was in New York, it was, they had been ordained online. The couple actually sought an annulment because wow. after seven days they didn't like each other, quite a wedding. And then uh, <laughs> the, the, the groom sought an annulment based on the minister in New York was only ordained online, which is not a credible ordination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, now, but we're recording this here in Georgia. In Georgia, if you can spell the word pastor, you can do weddings. You know, like it's really different. That's a joke. But really, if you're, it, it's in different states require different things. So yeah. it depends on what you're trying to get accomplished. You know, it depends on where you are. Uh, most of those don't hold any weight. Looks good on the wall. Yeah. It's not very strong. Well, and it goes back to what you said originally, how this is a spiritual calling. Is there a body of believers that are backing that and yeah. saying, hey, we believe in this individual and, and that's, you know, an important component. And, you know, we can help. If you've got any questions, you're out there thinking, man, this sounds more complicated than I realized. We'd love to have you call in. Just ask us about it. We can, uh, you know, Give sure. some basics. And there's also an item on the website that you might be interested in. If you go to startchurch.com slash equipped to ordain, the equipped to ordain video series will educate you on everything you need to know about the ordination process. And by the end of the series, you'll know how to create and implement an ordination program for your ministry that's both legally compliant and true to your ministry's values. And so it'll know, also, visit. you know what I love about that series as well, is it's going to help you understand what your benefits are you know, uh, taking you through the process. People don't understand. They think sometimes, I'm a minister, so I don't pay any taxes ever. Well, there is, that doesn't exist. If somebody yeah. finds it, let me know, okay? <laughs> but here's the reality, uh, like housing allowance. The ability to take a tax exclusion on the portion of your income that goes to your living expenses as an ordained individual is huge. You know, the housing allowance, the, the allowance to deduct that. And then the other thing is your self-employment tax exemption to be able to, uh, have a conscientious objection to uh, Social Security, those two are pretty big, you know. Uh, again, and then of course weddings and funerals or giving communion or whatever in your sacerdotal functions in your particular church. But I'm glad you mentioned that, that video series. I think it'll really help a lot of people. There's actually a lot of great resources that come with that. 
um, that they can editable resources they can look at. So it's a great video series. We're here to help. Nathan, thank you so much. It's always a fun time to hear. Uh, you know, I learn a little bit from you every time we chat. And uh, for those of you out there listening to the podcast, if you've learned something, we'd love to hear that feedback. Go to podcast at startchurch.com, email us, and uh, just give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for having me here, Bruce. I hope uh, hope everybody's encouraged and has a really great uh, upcoming year ordaining and being ordained. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.